This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Subscribe, click the notification bell, and follow me at Dark Prevails on Twitter, and you'll never miss a new scary video. You lie on the lake, gazing up at the twinkling stars. Nighttime insects chirp around you. The sound of water lapping at the shore. It's perfect. Or it would have been. Because you heard something. A noise from behind you. A snap of a twig. Footsteps. And now the sound and sensation of something breathing in your hair. What a perfect night. Enjoy these 10 allegedly true scary stories from the lake as you take in the relaxing sounds of water and nature. 1. Cabin Creeper Submitted by Ella J. Every summer, three or more times a month, we go up to my cabin... The location is rural, located by miles and miles of woods by a lake. It sits close to the water, and there's woods on every side of it. It's a small lake in Minnesota. I've always had sketchy vibes about the place, but in the day, it's pretty enjoyable. It feels as if, when you're sitting by the lake, or you're at the lake, everything you've ever struggled with goes away. But... This is one of the many creepy experiences I've had over the summer. It began around midnight. We had been sitting around the campfire for a few hours already. I was getting tired. I had a couple of friends with me. At one point, as we were enjoying ourselves, I swore I heard something in the woods. It sounded like an animal. It's Minnesota, so what can you expect? But until I heard the same thing multiple times in a row, I knew it was something much bigger. Something different. I sure didn't know if it was just my friends messing with me, because one of my good friends, Maddie, had recently stepped away to go to the bathroom. Maybe she was just trying to scare me for the first time in her life. I hardly ever got scared, personally, but this time... The person in the woods really did creep me out. I've heard too many of these scary stories, and I couldn't believe something may be happening to me. And then, the unthinkable happened. A man stepped out of the trees and sat down in Maddie's chair. He wore a greasy ponytail, muscle shirt, and basketball shorts, and he was extremely, unnaturally, unhealthily slender. I froze. I had no idea who this man was or who he thought he was. Eventually, I tried saying a nervous hello and asked if he was looking for someone. But all the man did in reply was stare into the crackling fire. He never looked up, and I swear he never even blinked. Minutes of no response to anything, I asked him. Soon, I grew too scared to stay by the fire to stay there with him. 
so I stood up slowly and walked back into the cabin. Thank God, Maddie had noticed him as well, sitting alone out there. Because if she would have walked out without knowing, I don't know what would have happened. After about an hour of watching him, the man who sat in silence staring at a stranger's fire, never jittering, never moving, I don't even remember him blinking. Finally, he stood up and he began walking towards the window we were looking out of. The window is about eye level because there is only one level to my cabin. All the windows are located low. The only thing between him, Maddie, and I was now a very thin pane of glass. The man creepily stared at us for about 30 seconds. During that short time, my heart was beating faster than I thought possible. He had a blank look on his face, no emotion, his eyes peering through the glass. They bore into mine, and he never even moved his gaze from my eyes. My parents hadn't been home since three o'clock, and they had been visiting family friends. I'd been alone at the lake before, so being here without family was new to me. Maddie and I ended up calling the police, but there was nothing they could do, as the man never harmed us. Even if they got there, which would take at least half an hour, they wouldn't be able to press charges. After this man and I's awkward staring contest, he began to walk backwards into the woods, but not the way a person would. He kept looking at Maddie and I, never turning around, never breaking eye contact, until he was fully submerged into the trees. We never saw the man again, but this is my campfire experience. Ever since then, I've always had a worse feeling whenever I go to the cabin, especially when I'm sitting by the fire at night. I feel like someone is watching me. The way that man walked into the woods, it was as if he was showing us that he could always be watching, anytime, anywhere, just out of sight. Two, The Haunted Lake, submitted by Spirit Shackle. It happened last summer, and I will never forget it. I was up at a lake, I don't remember the name, and I was staying there for the weekend. The first night, on a Friday, was extremely peaceful. I was texting my best friend on Google Hangouts, and that's when I heard a scream. It sounded like it was coming from a young girl, coming from the lake. This irritated me, because it was so late at night, and I figured someone was throwing a wild party nearby. I woke up later at one in the morning, to the sound of hands slapping at my window. I got up, grabbed something to protect myself with, once again figuring someone was up to no good and trying to bother people. I went over to the window I heard the noise from. There was nothing there, no handprints on the window, and no one outside. Immediately after, there was a knock on the door. Then I felt a cold breathing on my neck. Simultaneously, I got chills over my body, and I turned around, nearly screaming, there was a little girl, and she was on the opposite side of the room. 
She looked up at me, and before I could say a word, the girl screamed. Then, right before my eyes, she simply faded away, like some sort of mist on the wind. I left the next day. When I got home, I did a little bit of research on my computer about that location. Apparently, a few years ago, a girl's life was taken and she was thrown into the water of the lake. They say passersby heard her screaming in agony, but by the time they arrived at the lake, she was already gone. When I saw the picture they included in the article, I nearly fainted. She was wearing blue jeans and a red shirt and had dark red hair, and that's exactly how I saw her in the cabin. That was the last time I went back to that lake. I don't plan on ever going back. In fact, I don't think I'll ever camp alone anymore. Three. Tourists, please listen. Submitted by Jade. This is going to be short, but let it serve as a warning to anyone planning to visit Florida. In any body of water, at any given time, there's a strong possibility you're being watched or followed by a terrifying creature. Gators are everywhere here. The quicker you know that, the better. My whole family is from Boston, but we moved down to Florida when I was a baby, so I'm a Floridian at heart. However, my mom's side of the family is Boston-born. Anyway, they came down here on vacation a couple of months back. My uncle stopped at one of the nearby parks, so my two nieces, 10 and 70 years old, could play. Near this park is a lake, and right before they left the place to meet us for dinner, they decided to take a picture by the lake. He had his two daughters, his wife, and even their tiny dog, right by the edge of the water. Luckily, they took the picture and everything turned out fine until they posted it on Facebook and they found something horrifying in the background. There were three different gators in separate parts of the picture. Their signs posted everywhere near the lake saying gators are in the water, but often they're impossible to see. In the picture, one was tiny sitting on the bank hidden by the grass. Another one was floating a bit further in the lake, but the last one was the creepiest. The one nearest to them had his eyes locked on the seven-year-old girl. Its eyes were peeking up above the water, and the tail was right behind it, showing a gator that was easily six feet long. On closer inspection of the picture, it appeared that all the gators were staring at the seven-year-old girl. It just goes to show you, nature is full of opportunists, and they go for the weakest and often smallest of the bunch as easy prey. Even in a park surrounded by civilization, I nearly lost my knees to the circle of life. Four, the thing from the woods, submitted by Philip S., It was about four years ago, right at the beginning of the biggest snowstorm of my life, 
It was February in my home state of Massachusetts. We're no strangers to snow. At this point, there was already a good foot of snow on the ground from previous storms, and right before the storm started, I figured I'd dig up some of the snow that had collected in my chicken run. It was early in the morning, and as I was getting ready to go out, I noticed that the motion sensor light had gone off next to the chicken coop. I looked around the yard from my window, but I didn't see anything. As I went to the door, my cat Alfred got in front of it and was looking at me. He was strictly an indoor cat, so it wasn't like he was asking to go outside. I gently moved him aside with my foot, but he got right back in front of the door. He wasn't like this. He was acting quite strange. Maybe he wanted attention, I thought, so I picked him up and I set him on a chair. I walked outside onto my back deck. Now, my yard is narrow, maybe a 30 by 200 foot strip of grass and garden that had been slowly being taken over by the forest behind my house. At the end of my yard, there was a steep hill covered in trees that led up to the rest of the forest and a nearby lake. The chicken run was about 10 feet from the deck, so I went over and got to work, letting them out for a bit and feeding them before starting to shovel. When I was about halfway done, one of my chickens, a Rhode Island Red named Red, started squawking. I've heard these chickens squawk before. My two buff Orpington chickens always did before laying eggs, but this sounded more like an alarm call, and I hadn't heard this type of noise since my dad's dog tried to get at them. I was outside the run, dumping a bucket of snow into a pile. I looked up at the chickens, they were all along the back fence of the run, looking at something atop the hill just by the lake. I looked at the top of it, and what I saw there gives me chills to this day. There was a big, black, dog-like creature sitting at the top of it, and it was looking down at us. I froze, looking back at it. I knew the animals in my area, and the two main things that would make sense for it to be would be a fisher cat or a coyote, but those were too small to be what I was seeing. The thing and I stared at each other for a few minutes, its yellow eyes glowing in the early morning light before it stood up onto its hind legs and turned and ran into the forest in the direction of the lake. I ran back into the house, slamming the door shut and making sure it was locked, I still don't know what I saw, but I'm reminded of it whenever the motion sensor light goes off or whenever I hear my neighbor's dog start barking. Five. Someone in my backyard. Submitted by Christian. Two years ago, I moved from my small suburban home into a rural subdivision by a lake. There are only 4,000 people in that town. Not many eventful things happen. Since I was going to a different school, I lost contact with most of my friends, except for Nick and Nolan. I had them over almost every weekend, and we always liked to go on a massive ding-dong ditching raid in our neighborhood. One night, we all got together 
and decided to go ding-dong ditch this middle-aged man who had a very unkept yard with extremely long grass. It was 1 a.m. when we rang his doorbell. Nolan gets overexcited and overdoes it. He rang the doorbell like 10 times, and each time this old man came out and started screaming until eventually he didn't come out anymore. We decided to head home, and this is where things get weird. On our way back, we lost track of Nolan as he still wanted to hit a few more houses. That's when Nick admitted that he felt as though we were being watched, and sure enough, when we looked behind us, we could see a car with its headlights off, following us from a distance. I told Nick to run. We began to cut through all the neighbor's yards until we finally reached my house. When we got in, we pulled all the drapes shut and we started to freak out because Nolan was still out there. I called him and he picked up, saying that he was almost back to the house. I told him what had happened and he said he'd be back fast. Five nervous minutes later, he was at the door. It was a close one, and we called it a night after that. As we were trying to go to sleep, we heard a loud banging coming from outside. It sounded like metal striking metal. I dismissed it at first and started to drift back to sleep, but soon Nick was up, waking up Nolan and I. Panicked, he was saying that he saw movement in the backyard. Huddling together, we gathered around the window and we slowly peered outside. Then suddenly, we nearly screamed as a strange man holding a crowbar walked right across the window. If he had turned to face us, we would have been face to face, inches away from one another, and with that crowbar, he could have gotten in easily. Quickly, I grabbed the phone and dialed for help. When the cops arrived, there was no one to be found, no trace of them. Despite our knowledge of him trying to break in, he had obviously been hitting or pulling on something with that crowbar. Otherwise, we wouldn't have heard anything. Soon, the cops pulled away, and we were left there that night, wondering who the strange man was and what he wanted to do once he got inside. Maybe it was karma for the crap we pulled that night, or maybe it was something entirely coincidental. Sex, Camp Auburn, submitted by Bella Cute. I was 10 years old in 2013, beginning my fifth grade career. At that school, every fifth grader got to experience what camp would be like. We all got to go on a trip to a camp, sleeping in cabins, participating in outdoor activities. And lucky enough for me, my one and only best friend and I got to share a cabin together. I was a pretty lonely child. As such, I had around eight dogs. I was very obsessed with animals at the time. I even wanted to become a veterinarian at that age, but going to the camp made me want to find a new career. All the camp counselors were high schoolers then went to my high school. I remember that our camp counselor was pretty sucky. I would get in trouble for things that I never did, like the time I got separated from the group and she blamed me for walking off when I never did, but everyone else wasn't that bad. The night before I left camp, 
We had our last bonfire. We were singing and dancing next to the lake, with the forest to our backs. I was sitting and singing along quietly, when I heard a noise from behind me. It sounded like a broken twig. Immediately, I turned around to see what appeared to be a dog, but all I could see was its head. It appeared to be a stray, but the dog looked off somehow in a way I couldn't yet comprehend. For some odd reason, my 10-year-old brain thought it would be a good idea to pet the strange dog. So I got up and I walked over towards it. I guess since I was so quiet, no one noticed that I had left. As I got farther from the camp and closer to the dog, I noticed that there were no sounds except for the fire in the distance. No birds, no insects, no nighttime animals. At this point, I'm wanting to just turn back when I see that the head of the dog starts moving upwards. Immediately, I stop. I got a weird feeling that I shouldn't have left camp. The eyes of the dog start to glow a dark yellow, and it begins to rise up even higher until its head is further up than I am tall. It's then that I see that it's standing on two legs. I feel a warm liquid running down my legs, and I was frozen in place, crying, as I watched this tall thing tower over me. Then, someone calls my name from behind, and soon, one of the counselors is running towards me with a worried look. And as soon as I hear them, I began to run back, crying even harder. This was the scariest thing I'd ever experienced. I was crying so hard that when I tried to explain what happened, they couldn't understand my babbling. The worst part was that I had to stay, as it was the last night of camp, so I simply stayed awake the rest of the night, too scared to close my eyes, and also too scared to keep them open. I was afraid that the thing would come back for me. Whatever I saw, it had disappeared before the counselors saw it. The only one that believed me was my best friend. After that experience, I never went camping again. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the U.S. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry, while Steve separately researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, 
Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Seven, The Quarter Mile Panic, submitted by Thomas H. One evening in July 2017, my wife and I decided we would bring our kids to my mom's place and go fishing for a bit. At dusk, the fish are more active. We dropped them off and we headed down to the lake, the only lake in that small town. On the back end of the lake, there was a small parking lot with a few lights. As we parked, my wife was a bit sketched out and hesitant because it was about a quarter mile walk through the woods before you got to the lake. Assuring her that everything would be fine, we began our walk. After about 10 minutes, we finally reached the water and we began to fish. We got maybe half an hour into it and my wife began saying she wanted to go back because it was getting dark and she did not want to walk through pitch black woods. I told her to relax, that the woods are too small for anything bad to happen in. We continued fishing and eventually after another 45 minutes, after the bugs had gotten the best of us, we began to pack it in. Of course, it was completely dark out by then and my wife was freaking out about the walk and kept panicking over every slight noise. I kept telling her, it's just nighttime animals coming out, and there's nothing to worry about. She ignored me, and continued to panic over every crunching leaf she heard. We got to the final stretch of path to the parking lot, and my wife, excited to see the car at last, began to run towards it. But at a few steps in, she tripped on a rock, and stumbled halfway to the car without falling, 
I couldn't help but laugh. I put our rods in the vehicle, and we got in ready to go pick up the kids. But as I backed out of the parking lot, with the headlights coming on, they illuminated the woods in front of us, and from behind a tree, we saw the outline of a man. It wasn't your average man, though. He was about six foot six, and weighed well over 300 pounds by the size of him. He stood there, staring at us, not at all deterred by the lights shining on him. I threw the car into drive and sped out of there as fast as I could. My wife was, of course, freaking out, saying that she's never going back. All I could really think about, though, was that the crunching leaves we'd been hearing was this behemoth of a man following us through the woods, watching us the entire way. And the whole time, I was telling my wife it was nothing. Eight, the lamp post, submitted by Star Universe. I was 12 years old and enjoying my summer break. I had just walked around the lake a few times with my best friend. We were going back to my friend's house as he lives right by the lake. We then sat down in the grass, talking for literally hours. I was getting drained though. I was getting bored just sitting there. Suddenly, my friend Luke asks me if I want a drink. I refuse and thanked him. Then he went inside to get himself one. Suddenly, the lamp post in front of me began to flicker. I stared under it so I would be able to watch it flicker seeing if there was someone tampering with it or anything connected to it, but there was no one. I thought, maybe it's just old, that's why it's flickering. But as I looked down to continue playing with the grass and dirt, I saw something in the darkness. I quickly turned back under the lamppost. There was a person, rather the silhouette of a person. It was growing closer to the post, I watched them step into the light, and I saw that they were wearing a hood and were covered in black clothes. They rose their hands and began to make whooshing and other noises, moving their hands under the light, which was still flickering, but faster than before. I stood up, knowing that he couldn't see me where I was. I had grabbed a small stone from the ground and had it ready to throw, when Luke kicked open the door and charged out, at the sound of Luke opening and slamming the door shut, the man took off into the woods. Now, I asked Luke why he was freaking out. I mean, sure, a stranger walking up to you in the middle of the night can be creepy, especially with the lamppost flickering. Then Luke explained. The man hadn't been in front of me the whole time. Before he appeared by the lamppost, he had come from the woods and sat directly behind me, and I never heard a thing. Luke said he saw him holding something and that he got back outside as soon as he could. By then, the man was under the light of the lamp post. Creeped out, we spent the rest of the evening inside. We closed the windows and were ready to dial the cops at any strange noise we heard. Nine, the bridge ghost submitted by Zach.
This is a story from my friend. There is this bridge near where we live going over a man-made lake in our county. This lake is well known for a very bad reason. The Russian mob is known to dump leftovers there if you catch my drift. I know it sounds crazy, but we've had numerous reports in the news over it. The leftovers are often found, hands and heads missing to keep them from being identified. This takes place about a week after my friend Q lost his uncle, who he was very close to. In Q's family, there's a tradition where when someone passes away, the other family members drop a rock off the bridge at night to honor the deceased. But the thing is that not many people in the family liked that uncle other than Q. So after a week of trying to get the others together at the bridge, he gave up and ended up having to go alone. When he arrived at the bridge, it was about 10 o'clock. After he parked and got out of his car in the dark, he could tell that there was an eerie feeling in the air, but decided that it must have been his imagination. After he walked what he thought was far enough, he pulled out a rock that he had taken from his own backyard, then gracefully dropped it off the bridge and waited to hear the plop of it hitting the water. Instead, he heard the sound of the rock hitting more rocks, thanks to a recent drought during the last couple of years. This was disappointing, because he could have sworn that he was far enough out where the rock would hit water. It didn't matter in the end, though because he was sure that his uncle wouldn't have cared too much. After standing in silence and remembrance of his uncle for a while, he went to leave, but as he walked away, he heard a loud crack of a rock hitting the ground again. Confused and a bit startled, he looked over the edge and tried to see what made the noise. Now, the bridge is very high up, and at night it becomes difficult to see the water or its edge. When he turns to leave again, he only makes it a few steps, when out of nowhere, he feels a hand push his back hard. After he stumbles, he turns around, only for his eyes to meet a still empty bridge. He starts to run back to the car, but as he runs back, he can feel more and more hands pushing him hard, and it's then that he realizes they're pushing him closer to the edge of the bridge. When he gets to the end of the bridge where his car is, he quickly opens his door and turns around as he does so. It is then that he sees the figure, a transparent figure. It looked like a person, but with no head and no hands. Panicking, he drove away from the bridge, speeding home, where he immediately went to his bedroom and locked the door. The next day, he read on a local news website that another body had turned up. Once again, no hands or head. He thinks that the man was angry that no one came to honor his passing, which was surely not a peaceful one. He thinks the man took his anger out on Q. Ever since then, because he's so spooked of the bridge, Q no longer passes by it and avoids it like the devil. 10. Stranger in the Woods Submitted by Haley Last summer, I had my first kiss. 
It was with Luke, my older brother's friend. Luke was an okay guy, kind of a pushover, but he made me laugh and seemed to enjoy my company. My brother Alex, on the other hand, had an attitude problem. Most teenagers did, and I was a crybaby when I was little, and he was insensitive, so we never really got along. Over the years, though, he mellowed out, and my skin thickened, yet our relationship always felt as if we were standing on thin ice. I've always wanted to have a more positive relationship with him. After my kiss with Luke, I didn't tell anyone about it. It was very meaningful to me, and I didn't want the local kids to know. I kept quiet, and so did Luke. He didn't seem to care all that much about the kiss. My twin sister, Grace, somehow found out about it, though, and was soon furious to know that Luke was acting as if he didn't care at all. I told her I was fine with it, even though I was a little bummed out, and with some convincing, she calmed down. Her anger towards Luke lessened, but didn't completely disappear. We lived in Florida, a place associated with hot, sticky, and humid. In some parts, they'd be correct, but the area I lived in would get casual breezes during the summer. It was just cool enough where you could actually go outside and not immediately pass away of heat stroke. There weren't a lot of trees where I lived. There would be a cluster of palm trees at the most, so sitting in the shade was nearly impossible. However, there was this giant lake that was located down the road from my neighborhood. There weren't enough trees there to call it a wooded area, but it was relaxing to walk through. One of the local high schooler's parents owned the area, so while her parents were away on a business trip, the girl named Caroline threw a party. I was surprised her parents left her alone for the week, as most parents didn't do that. Maybe they didn't care as much, or maybe they told their neighbor to check up on her from time to time. I don't know. All I knew was that I really wanted to go, because I knew Luke would be there. I knew it probably looked desperate, but my sister wanted to go as well, so if the plan backfired, I could always spend the night with her. Alex was automatically invited, and let us come after we pestered him for hours. Caroline's parents owned a lake house, and it was huge compared to our home. The lake itself was murky and dark. Of course, this was a high school party, so there were drunken kids already taking off their clothes to go swim in the dirty water. Grace was excited to be there. She seemed to think that tonight was going to change her life forever. I just rolled my eyes at her overly dramatic attitude, then went searching for Luke. She seemed to already know who I was looking for when we first walked through the door. She had just clicked her tongue, then said gently but sternly, be careful. I quickly smiled at her before darting my way through the surprisingly small crowd of teenagers. Everyone was likely outside, getting drunk. I looked around the room, not letting anything distract me, and then I saw him. I tried to get his attention by waving, but then I noticed that Caroline and him were chatting. The conversation looked heated, and I didn't like it. I watched the two of them for a whole two minutes, Caroline getting more and more handsy with Luke. His wide eyes landed on me and our gazes locked very briefly, 
before I turned around and quickly made my way toward the entrance. Haley, I heard him yell over the loud music, but I just shook my head in denial and walked faster. When I saw an opening in the crowd, I ran down the front porch steps. I'd been so happy to have Luke see me in my new dress, but now I thought it was a waste of cash. Haley, wait up, Luke called from behind me. Please, let me explain. I didn't listen, though. I just kept running. I was determined not to cry at any means. I went out behind the lake house and let the empty trees keep me company. My flats were dirty from the damp dirt, so I took them off and threw them at the ground in frustration. I was also irritated by the sweat that had built up in the Floridian heat. It was strangely quiet, I didn't hear anything in the trees or bushes, just kids hollering near the lake. It was relaxing. I inhaled deeply, wanting to calm myself down. I went over to collect my shoes, which I had thrown further out into the trees than I previously thought. I wanted to hide behind one until the party was over, then my brother would come looking for me. I soon heard footsteps behind me, and I already knew who it was. Just go away, Luke. I don't want to talk to you right now. I felt Luke's hairy arms wrap around me. That was a thing I usually joked about with him, about how he never shaved his arms and legs, but he would shave everywhere else. I almost smiled, but the wet trails on my cheeks weren't from happiness. Just go back to Caroline. The way I said it sounded kind of bratty but I didn't really care at the moment. Then, I heard something. A familiar yet distant voice yelling for me. Haley, I'm sorry, okay? I screwed up. Where are you? I could barely breathe. My stomach sank. The guy behind me, who was holding me in his arms, was not Luke. I tried to struggle free, but his grip tightened. I hit him upside his head with my shoes, but I was at a weird angle, and it seemed to only frustrate him. A calloused, sweaty hand covered my mouth before I could say anything. I could feel him pressing up against my back. My heart was racing as hot liquid leaked from my eyes. I kicked at his legs and clawed at the arms that held me. Angry red trails were left behind, but his grip only tightened. I threw my head back at his face, hoping my skull would hurt him. The hand that covered my mouth loosened a fraction, but it was enough. I bit down as hard as I could. The man let go of me for only a second. The moment he realized I was free, I was already screaming. What happened next wasn't as eventful. I ran and found Alex and yelled at him to take me home or else I'd tell mom and dad about the party. He glared at me, but I didn't care. I was crying and hyperventilating and just wanted to go home. Grace was nowhere in sight, so my brother reluctantly went to go find her. Luke found me as well, asking me what happened when he saw that I was crying. I shook my head at him and sobbed. He offered to take me home and I agreed, not wanting to be at this lake house any longer. He sent Alex a quick text, then led me to his car. That car ride was silent. He didn't ask about anything, and I didn't offer. 
Luke didn't even finish parking before I got out of the car, and I ran for my door. I had a spare key attached to my necklace, and I relocked the door once I was safe inside. I don't go out to parties anymore, not even the ones that are within my neighborhood or are indoors. I never told my parents or Alex about the man, but I did tell Grace after five months of being terrified. No one else noticed my jumpy behavior, probably because I spent most of my time locked inside my room. I don't like to talk about it. Grace says talking would help, but all it really does is make me more scared to ever go back outside. Camping by the lake can be peaceful. I know the feeling, but sometimes peace and quiet is only a distraction, a hazard that makes you forget that terrible things can happen at any moment and that you at any time can fall victim to the ones who wait around and in the lake. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. You can always send me your scary stories at darknessprevails.org submit. If you want to support my channel, follow me on Twitter at darkprevails. Donate one buck a month on Patreon if you've got the cash, and you'll get your name in the credits. Get some Darkness Prevails merchandise at morbidmonsters.com or download my free app to get everything in one place. It's called Spooked and it's available on the Google Play Store. Now then, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous video. Don Corleone says, It is I, the Godfather, who is first. On this, the day of my daughter's wedding, you want I should put you in the top five comments, eh? Well, congratulations. CJC says, Do you grab meat? <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't grab a big ol' handful of floppy wetness? Official Mike Mike 01 says, It's rainy where I am. Are you psychic? No, but I am ready to get moist. Waffles for Life says, I has question. Do you like danger noodles? I love schnecks, but I prefer to watch them from a screen instead of holding one. Same with spiders. I love spiders. But if I catch one on my skin, it's gonna be a spider pancake in a few seconds. And Heather Robinson says, Oh, Daddy, I may not be your top five, but I'm your top five comments. Definitely the top five most confusing things I've heard said, so you've got that going for ya. Anyway, thank you all for stopping by to enjoy another Darkness Prevails video. More stories are coming soon. Here are the credits to my patrons who continue to support my channel. Until next time, everyone, stay safe out there and stay creepy.